Welcome everyone to another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I'm really honored to have a special guest on the show today, Bethany Miller. Bethany Miller. I was going to say Miller. I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> Bethany opened Suka Yoga, Suka Yoga Studio. It's based in Nevada, California, which I just learned is in kind of the Bay Area, northern of the Bay Area. Um, and so that's where her beautiful sanctuary of Suka Yoga is. And, um, it's not only a yoga studio, but also a spiritual community. And prior to that, uh, Bethany was practicing psychology for about 20 years. She's a graduate of the, oh my gosh, you're going to have to help me with this. It's Alliant University. Cal well, the California School of Professional Psychology. And then Asclepion is where I did intuitive training work. Asclepion. That's the word I was looking at that I was going. Yeah. How do you say that? <laughs> Very fun word. Um, so we were talking about this before we hit record, but I met you through a woman that I recently had on the podcast, Vanessa Loader, who you were doing um, divinity work with, past life regression and things of that nature. So that's a, among intuitive readings, psychic readings, um, the yoga studio, there's also past life regression and, and divinity Um work that you do, which is, that's a lot of things. And so thank you so much for carving out the time to speak with us today. I'm really honored and excited to have you here. And how are you? I'm really well. I would think all those things kind of lead, to, you know, they all interweave and um, build on one another for sure. Yeah. When I was doing past life regression therapy, that was one of the things that got me really excited about the unseen and what happens um, in between our lives and the possibility that we have more than one life. So that kind of opened me up to wanting to know more about psychic skills. And then I got into learning about intuition and readings kind of after that. So in college, is was psychology something you studied uh, for undergrad work? Then? I did, yeah. And then did you do that? You said about 20 years you were, you were doing that? Yes. I still tech. Well, I li I literally just like two, two weeks ago, put my license on hold, but until a few weeks ago, I was still doing a little bit of therapy work. Yeah. I had a private practice for many, many years. So uh, I bet there's overlap between that and the work that you do now. Were you able to bring any of that divinity work into psychology? hundred percent. And, and vice versa, a lot of the psychology work helps me when I do intuitive readings and sitting with people and knowing how to hold space and make a safe container and help people trust me. And for sure, vice versa, with the um, as a psychologist, I start bringing a lot of meditations and, and understanding of energy. Um, one reason I decided to put my license on hold was because some things, like talking about spirit guides and chakras, it's not really compatible with the board of psychology. So, yeah, I was wondering about that. That was my follow-up question, which yeah, you just so I kept them pretty separate. And so, um, and now I just don't, don't really do the traditional psychotherapy. And if I, but I, I have so much knowledge. So if I'm working with someone and I feel like that's what they need, then I can give them referrals. For mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that does seem to go hand in hand. I feel like I, I'm curious what you think about this. As we progress, and it seems like more and more um, things like this, like intuitive readings, uh, past life regressions are becoming more widely accepted. You know, when I was growing up, it was considered very 
the word that I heard often was hippie. Um, or woo. Was, yeah, yeah, hippie or woo. I feel like woo is a new agey kind of term. <laughs> I hear that so much lately and I'm like, woo woo. <laughs> Anyways, I know what you're saying, but where's what was my question about this? Um, oh, I, I was curious if you see the fields, I kind of think of it like Western psychology versus Eastern mysticism kind of converging or getting along a little bit better in the future. A hundred percent. I mean, even now in the Western world, they're understanding that meditation is useful and they have to do all kinds of studies and look at the brain to prove it, even though people have been doing it for 2000 years. So things like that. And also plant medicine and psychedelics is starting to be really mainstream and which is so exciting to me and part of psychotherapy, which does open up people um, to their mysticism and to more things that are unseen, different levels of consciousness. So for sure, I think all of those things are making it a lot more open. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that um, at least as, as far as I know, um, my dad is the president of a cannabis patient specific Northwest. And so he's, he's done a lot of study about cannabis and the medicinal uh, benefits of that type of therapy. Um, and whenever I talk to him, we always end up talking about how historically back in the day, hundreds of years ago, cannabis was used at a, as a medicine. Um, and it was used kind of like, um, ayahuasca or something ceremonially would be used to go on a spirit journey or to open the mind to a new perspective or have a perspective shift. And I think where, um, in our modern day, I wonder if we fall short of that is, is because we've taken the the ritual or the ceremony out of it. And it's become very recreational, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it, it just like anything can be addictive, or if you overdo it, it can kind of lose its essence. It can kind of lose its, um, what's the word, not meaning, but it can lose its like, uh, beneficial effects if we overdo it. hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, I think it's exciting that it's at least um, like all the studies that psychologists are doing now on psilocybin, mushrooms, and ketamine, and they're showing all the benefits of it. So to me, it's like just starting to open up for them, but I feel like things are <laughs> going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, I'll put a link to, I had my dad on the podcast. We talked about the history of cannabis and he was talking about just the history of how it became demonized, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes if anyone wants to dive into that topic a little bit more. But I would like to switch gears now and um, talk with you, Bethany, more about um, your intuitive readings, the work that you do there. And I'm curious what types of questions or themes people often come to you with. Sure. Um, it's kind of pretty common. We're human. We all seem to have this similar issues or ways of being in the world, I guess. So the most common things people want me to look at are their purpose or their career, like what steps they should take in their job or if their current job serving them. And then they ask about their relationships, their romantic partners, their children, their family members. I would say those are the most common things people mm -hmm. are looking at. Sometimes health. I'm not, I don't do 
I don't make like medical diagnosis, you know, or it, there are some medical psychics, which I don't do that, but people, it, people do bring up health questions a lot and we can sometimes look at the energy around it. So on that thread, when people are asked, are they, do they often come to you with direct questions? Like what yeah. should I do in this situation? And in your line of work, are you able to say, yes, you should do this or no, you shouldn't. I think about this in comparison with something like the tarot, which in my experience is a little bit more open to interpretation. Like if you go down this path, this may or may not happen. <laughs> you know, um, it's kind of in between. I think there's a, a lot of times I'm just looking at whatever energy is there. Sometimes there will be a really strong note. Like somebody will even like specific thing ask, like, is it okay for me to eat this food or not eat this food? And all I do, and again, I always say, take everything with a grain of salt. We're all our own. Um, we know ourselves the best. And the, the goal is to always like connect with our own intuition and doing a reading is just helping, hopefully helping someone to do that. So I'll always say with a grain of salt, but sometimes someone could ask like, is it okay for me to eat this gluten cracker? And I just look at the energy and, and I'll hear like really strong yes or no. So sometimes there can be specific things like that. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't want to take anyone's I don't want to make anyone dependent or take their power away. The goal is to help them. A lot of times there's blocks. So someone doesn't know an answer or something to one of their questions and I'll see there's some energy blocking it. So in, I'll help try to help let that energy release so that they can um, hear their own answers. That's generally my goal. Yeah, that sounds, I, I feel like, I wonder what you think about this. If you experience people coming to you who have never done any type of intuitive work, do how do you approach somebody that's brand new to that? And do they, I don't want to put too many leading questions in here, but I'm just curious if there's like a, a theme surrounding an ability to trust that whatever it is that you're saying um, can be followed through, or is there kind of like a mistrust or like a little bit of a, do you know what I mean? That people might be mistrusting or skeptical. Yeah. Skeptical yeah. skepticism is the word. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that definitely happens. Um, I'll just say from my perspective, I really don't have any, when someone comes to me for a reading, I really don't have any attachment to if, if it resonates with them or not. Like obviously it, it's helpful if it, if it resonates, but I really, I just like go into my space and I, I go into my channel, I get information and I share it and it's, and I really, and I, again, I say like, take it or leave it. If this is useful for you, then that's great. If it's not, or if it feels wrong, then just throw it away. Like, I don't, I don't have any attachment to that. Um, yeah. So, and, and there are definitely some super skeptical like my son would be one I have a, a 19 year old son who's an atheist and tells me all my stuff is crazy and you know there's no such thing as spirits and there's no such thing as energy reading and that's like that's fine I don't do readings with, <laughs> with him you know like yeah. I'm not really interested in connecting with the skeptical energy so like if someone wants to come and try to like test me or me prove it or whatever it's just I just don't really do that Mm -hmm. probably a healthy and wise choice yeah. on your part <laughs> well so I was curious um if you could walk me through what a session with you might be like and we talked about doing a reading for me we could do that now or you could kind of like lay the template out or I think it might be helpful 
just to just jump jump in and do a reading with you and we can yeah you see what it is but what what i usually do ask is for if the person has a specific question because that does help me to focus the energy or what we're looking at so it could be a question about anything and usually what i'll do um and i can do it right now is um i'll just kind of i call it find my space so i go into a meditative place and i close my eyes I do say for you to keep your eyes open because otherwise you'll start reading me, which mm -hmm. is fine, but that's not what we're here for. Mm -hmm. So I'll close my eyes, take a moment to find my space. And sometimes I have, I just say this for people because um, there's a, <clears throat> it's called light language. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but it's, it's kind of a language um, that has specific pitch, tones, frequencies. It, it sounds I don't know, like speaking in tongues or something. So that comes through. And I, for me, it's just helping shift the energy and the vibrations and um, energies come in. So I, I'll start doing that. I always tell people ahead because sometimes they'll be like, I don't understand what you're saying. And it's just part, part of the process. Um, and I'll also have you say your name a few times. And that's how I say hello to your energy as a spirit. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have you ask whatever your question is. And we can still have a conversation. But as you ask the question, I just start a lot of times I'll see images or I'll get information. So I'll just start saying, telling you what I see, and then we can still have a conversation around that. So, no, all right, let's do it. All right. Okay. So well, I should keep my eyes open. You said your eyes open, but I'm going to close mine. Okay. I'll just take a minute. I just have to kind of get into my reading space. Mm -hmm. I, Sarafina, align with the light of love, wisdom, and truth. Connect with my soul or angel consciousness. Align my sacred geometry to be a channel for Tessa. And I align with her soul or angel consciousness. Can you say your name a few times, Tessa? Tessa Tovar. Tessa Tovar. Tessa Tovar. Okay. Hello. I see you. You have a most beautiful purple aura all around you. You're very, very open, at least in this moment, to um, your spiritual information. And it's pretty massive. Like, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> so, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you have a, a question you want me to look at? I think the thing I've been grappling with the most lately is uh, career, which is one of the themes you brought up in terms of I've been doing this uh, entrepreneur journey, uh, having left the corporate work world about, I'd say about five years ago mm -hmm. and feeling like, okay, it's been five years and I don't feel like my, my main, hmm, I, I think my goal is to become financially independent. And I think the question is, how do I do that? Do I stay on this entrepreneurial path? Can I do that um, and become financially independent? Or do I need to do something else? Or is that even the right question to ask? Maybe, maybe I don't need to be financially independent. My partner, I'm lucky, is supportive of me in doing this work. And I think the thing that I struggle with in my head is feeling like, oh, okay, well then what's my value in the household if I'm not bringing in a certain amount of income Okay. Um, and feeling like, okay. yeah. like most spouses do, we get in a lot of fights about money. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so that feels really charged and really heavy. And I feel like I want some freedom around that. Okay. Totally understand. Um, so the first thing when you're talking that lights up is, um, the first chakra. So I don't know, I'll just say a little bit, people don't need to totally understand chakras, but it's, it's the energy centers that kind of feed our, our body. And, um, the first chakra is at the base of the spine and it's connected to all of our safety. So it's a connected to our physical health, but also our like money and career and like how we take care of ourselves. So that's the first thing that lights up when I hear you talking. Um, and there's a lot of red energy and there's, um, there's a little bit of resentment. Like there's a feeling that, um, what is the feeling? Okay. First of all, it's not your energy. So that's, what's coming. <clears throat> Some, a lot of times we'll get other people's energy in our space, especially people close to us. So I feel like there is some, I can see that your husband is wonderful and loving and very supportive. And he wants you, he loves what you're doing, actually, uh, loves the podcast, love all the work that you do and the coaching, like the resentment is actually his fear. So I, it's like, there's energy in your space. It's in your first chakra and it comes out like resentment, but really it's, um, fear. And like, what is the fear? It's old stuff. So, and it's a little bit comes from you too, but, and from him, it's like old things from when you were little about, um, like that aren't even true, like about like pretty extreme fears of like that you could be homeless or like not have enough money or something like that. So it's just, it's not connected to what's happening in your current world or your current life. It actually, I think it's like, um, connected to, it's like an ancestral thing. I don't know if there's grandparents or there's people in the ancestry line, both of your lines, but more your husband's where they, they did have like extreme poverty and extreme hardships. And somehow that energy is in the field and it gets between you and your husband, it gets kind of intertwined into this like fear that we don't have enough money, mm. but it doesn't, it doesn't make rational sense because you, you actually do have enough money. But so anyway, I'm just going to help clear that out. Cause that's the other thing I do readings, but then I also, when I see something like this, help that energy to release out. Cause I think then we can see a little bit more clear for you once that energy is released about what you actually want to be doing with your work. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And I have a story to share when you're ready for. Okay. For it. So I'm just helping those energies to release because they're not yours. They're not your husband's their, their ancestors. And we're just letting that. And so I see it's this red energy that's coming out of your, your first chakra. And then the color that's coming in is a beautiful turquoise blue. That's your own energy with um, that's where you have a lot of space and freedom. So what you actually have is space and freedom to do what you're meant to do in the world. And when I first saw your aura with the, with the purple, um, like you're meant to be a spiritual teacher in the world. You are meant to be, um, sharing the knowledge that you have and helping other people. And, um, that is what you're meant to do. And I feel too, that somehow this releasing out these energies that aren't yours, 
that was putting a little bit of a block on the abundance for you. Cause there's also some other kind of belief that it's like, well, if I'm doing this to be of helpful, I don't make money from it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I also see that's releasing because it's like, this is your purpose. This is what you're meant to do. And you can, it can be abundant. And I see that happening. I see you, um, I see the energy shifting so that you doing this work in the world that you are doing that is um, in alignment with your purpose also um, is financially abundant for you. I 100% see that, see that happening. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I love that. So first of all, just a little share. I think, you know, I, I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before, but tapping into something very true for my uh, partner side of the family is um, extreme poverty and extreme fear of dire, dire circumstances of losing their home, um, losing all of their money and having to actually, my, my partner's side of the family is from Mexico. So his parents had to leave him and his sister when he was 16, his sister was 14, I believe 13 or 14. So they, um, came to the United States in order to escape going to jail. Mm, (laughs) So it was very, very intense. Um, very, very scary. My partner Jorge had to become basically a father, a caregiver to his younger sister at the age of 16. And he and I have had so many conversations about, yes, I mean, our current circumstances, they are abundant. It is illogical because we do have enough. We we've always had enough. We've always been fine. Even when we weren't making as much money as we do now when we were fresh out of college. I mean, he graduated in 2009, which was the height of one of the greatest recessions that our generation has ever seen. So we've always had enough. There's always been abundance. And yet there's always been this underlying fear that kind of gets in the way for both of us. (laughs) So that is a hundred percent resonant with me. Um, this is, it's just also a good example of kind of why I love to do the readings. Um, because in, in therapy, you can talk about like, you know, why do I worry that I don't have enough money mm-hmm. all day long? But if you're not understanding, like what I just saw was like, you, you're holding energy from other people. That's not even your energy and you are processed and part, partly because you're such a spiritual master, I will say. <laughs> you're processing his energy too in your mm-hmm. system. So it's like intertwined um, anyway, but yeah. I feel that once it's released, it's like, you can start seeing pretty massive shifts. Well, how do we release something like that? I mean, I feel like I've had this conversation, not in this way, not from an intuitive reading, but it's like, we both fully acknowledge my partner and I, that it's illogical. We have enough, we have plenty, like we're fine yet we still hold on to these fears that we've both inherited from our childhoods, from our ancestors, um, both alive and passed on. How do we really let it go? It seems very stuck. You know, I mean, think about, um, uh, what is the word I want to, it's, it's like the pathways in our brain that are grooved so deeply, the neuro neuroplasticity in the brain which I understand can change, you know, we can create new habits and new behaviors and new thought patterns, but that groove feels so deep that it's uh, how many times have we both acknowledged this and it's still there between us. 
Well, the way that I was doing it when I was just looking at it for the energy, at number one, if if I am able to read something, if it's coming up, that means it's coming up because it's ready to get released. If there's something that's still like so unconscious and not ready to to be released, it wouldn't even come up. I wouldn't even see it in a reading. So that's number one. And then, like I said, I do believe that you can, that it's a working with energy that you can start to release it and that you can do it yourself. But it's also happening when I was, when I'm doing the reading, that's what I do. So it's, they're also healings. They're not just, I'm not just reading what's happening, but when I, and I see it uh, visual. So like I said, and you can just imagine like there's a circle that I say is the first chakra and it's red and and that red color isn't, that's the color, that's not your energy. That's the mm-hmm. ancestor and that's the fears. And so I just watch that energy leave, leave your system. And then I see what energy, what's your actual energy? And that's the, the light blue that I was seeing. That light blue, there's all this spaciousness to feel, trust that you have what you need and spaciousness to create what you want in the world. Mm-hmm. So part of it's that. And some of it, it can be that quick <laughs> and shift that fast, like by, and that's something I've been um, tapping into more recently. And I feel like our consciousness is shifting even more. We're raising our consciousness, we're raising our vibration, and that we are getting to the place where we can kind of miraculously release energies. Yeah. And if we can't, there's also, I mean, (laughs) I do definitely personally also understand that, you know, it's like you can move the energy and then you bring it back because you like, with your mental thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. So one thing else I like to do before I go to bed, I call on, and I have different guides and angels and spirits that I work with. And I, I ask them when I say, why not work when I'm asleep? So I'll ask them, can you work on my neural trans, um, the neural pathways in my brain? So I want to shift the neural, the neural pathways from like lack and deprivation to abundance and to space. And, and I just ask it to be worked on and, I think it, I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've, um, if I've had suggested to me before and I always forget it. So thank you for reminding me of that because (laughs) I haven't actually practiced that yet, but it's a good reminder. So I'm going to make a note to do that tonight. Um, I do have a follow-up question about abundance. Sure. Sure. Um, as it specifically relates to me and my work. And I I think the follow-up question is, does it, do I need to change anything that I'm doing? Like, is the medium of healing spiritually, is it just that it's blocked by this ancestral energy or is it that I need to try a different channel or a different avenue of. For, for bringing in more money. Yes. Okay. Let me see. What's the way to bring in more money? Is there a new avenue? I don't know how you are when it comes with your clients or um, like what's coming to me is like that you that there's partly is like a um, like I said earlier, maybe this belief and I don't even know how conscious it is, but like if I'm being spiritually helpful, then I'm just, that's just what it is. And it's not okay to make money. You know, a lot of people do have that kind of thing. It's like not okay to make money from what I'm doing or the offering that I have. There's something around that. So for me, it's like, I don't know that it's necessarily changing what you're doing, but possibly raising your rates. 
and um, yeah, asking for asking for more money. And what else? Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's really about shifting the belief that um, there's something wrong with getting money for doing spiritual work. And recognizing that it's just an energy exchange and that it's um, it's important for you to be abundant and not even just like have your needs met, but like have your desires met, like to really feel nourished and taken care of, like because you're giving out so much with the work. And so it's important that you feel like you're receiving a lot back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of it's just opening up those flows and shifting the belief system that you that it's not okay or that you're greedy or there's something wrong if you ask for too much money for spiritual work. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it seems it, to me that the things you're, I don't even told, I looked a little bit, but I don't totally know what, what that you're offering, but when I'm doing the reading, I don't see, Oh, something else you should be doing. It seems like you're doing what is in your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I have always had this question ever since my first teacher training, I've done so many and teacher trainings are not cheap, right? They're thousands of dollars. You know, this, you, you own a yoga studio and always the question comes up, whether it's me asking the question as a student or somebody in my cohort asking the question, well, yoga is a spiritual practice and it's a practice of being in service to others. It can be, it can be other things, but there is this so many people hold on to this notion of it's wrong to accept money. It's wrong to profit from these practices. Um, and I think my follow-up to that is because I understand what you're saying and it's not that I disagree with it, but where I get really stuck is the accessibility of these practices to people that are marginalized, underserved, or poverty stricken. How do we make it accessible to everyone if it's so freaking expensive and out of reach for a lot of people that really could benefit from it? hundred percent. I agree um, that it needs to be more accessible. And I see them as two separate, two separate things. Like your belief that you deserve to make money and you can be abundant with what you're doing and what you're offering is separate from, and then you can also offer things pro bono and you can also offer, you know, things, um, scholarships or whatever it is. Like I don't see those as separate, like that it's still important. And I also think when it comes to manifesting and like believing that you can make more or you need more, a lot of times we don't even know how it's going to work. Like we don't need to know, like, it's like, well, how is that supposed to happen? Like how, you know, like our mind doesn't even know how to make it work, but it's just, it's just a matter of putting out the, the idea of abundance and working on the abundance and the belief that you deserve it. And then it starts coming to you. That's, that's been my experience. Yeah. I think that's the stickiest widget for me is the belief that I deserve it. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that was the reading. <laughs> so to shift it, but I can, I have like a quick example just about the power of the manifesting and clearing because I had the same same things you know as a therapist as a yoga studio the same thing of like I'm here serving people so it's not okay to to make a lot of money but then it obviously it's a problem if you're working all the time and you're not I mean when I first opened the yoga studio I think I if I worked at McDonald's I would have made more money you know so it's important that we have to be taken care of like the spiritual work we do we put a lot out there and we need we need to get it back 
And so there was a time when my yoga studio was kind of like that. I was not making very much money, even though people love it and they're getting so much help and they say how much better they feel. And so I worked on releasing, I had similar kind of blocks and not around ancestors, but I worked on releasing my beliefs that I don't deserve money. And for a month I did like a very intense um, kind of like abundance mat manifestation uh, focus, which was just like being clear. And all I said was like, I want, I had a certain number of members I wanted, a certain number of um, money that I wanted to make every month from the yoga studio. And I just focused on it for a month. And then, and this was, I have no idea how, you know, the, my main competitor went out of business and I got all there. Now it's not something I would ever like wished for or even thought it was never even in the realm that it would happen, but that's what happened. <laughs> so you're like, the universe just gives it to you. You don't have to worry about how it happens, but you do have to believe that you deserve it. That's mm, how I think. Yeah, that's the key. Believing we deserve it yes. and the universe will provide and trusting that the universe yeah. will provide. And just um, have to be an open channel to receive it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about manifesting because I think we, um, I always defer back to <clears throat> ideas brought forth in, um, movies or is, was the secret also a book? I just remember yeah. the movie version of it. Yeah. Um, that this idea that we can manifest into reality a million dollars or whatever, without any sort of action or effort towards it. And I want to just be mindful about defining manifestation. What do we mean when we say that? And how do we actually, what is the actual work of manifestation? Well, I mean, I believe that it's the the number one thing is to release all the, the limiting beliefs or the unconscious pictures, like the one, we, you know, like the picture is that you're holding other people's fears, right? Or you have the belief that you don't deserve it. So number one, I think that's the work. And that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's not like, oh, it just happens. Um, you have to clear yourself. Like my teacher talks about clearing the basement stuff. So any of your unconscious things, the things that you're that are driving you that aren't serving you, like those things have to be cleared out. Um, and that takes I mean, it's like it's a lifetime probably right of spiritual work and working on yourself and clearing out. But I do think the, the more clear you are, the more conscious you are of your patterns, the more you, you've released those things, the more access you have to manifesting and just recognizing we live in a quantum world and we can set our intentions to what we desire and allow that to flow to us. It's not like magic it, because it's it's more like listen to your guidance. You know, you still have to work for things. If you like, say you want to make more money in your business, you're just, you listen to your guidance. And maybe one of it is like, I raise my rates, or maybe one of it is I do, I go to this networking event, or I do this thing to get, you know, people seeing me more, whatever it is, you still have to do all those things. But it's just, it's just asking for the abundance and trusting that it, that it arrives. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. listen to your guidance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for saying that. I really, I really appreciate it. I think it's something that sometimes can get a little bit glossed over. So it's always important for me to define what we say, what we mean when we say manifestation. Yeah, I appreciate that too. You're right. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> magic. I mean, those of us in the realm, we understand, you know, you study this work, you understand what you mean when, when you say manifestation, um, 
it's just not always the case for someone who's hearing it for the first time or thinking, well, manifesting what out of thin air, like just by the power of thought. Okay. That sounds a little far-fetched, but if we take the time to understand what we're saying, it's just like within the teachings of yoga. I think it's important to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And on that topic, I do want to talk about um, the teachings of yoga, why you decided to open a studio. Um, clearly it's going well now for you. And I'm so glad to hear that, but, you know, I think there's, it's so, it's so interesting how the landscape of yoga studios and teaching yoga has changed over the past three years, just due to the state of the world. Um, and so I'm curious what your journey has been like and what you see for the future of your studio. Yoga studio. Um, well, I started the yoga studio mostly for selfish reasons, because at the time in my town where I live in Nevada, we didn't really have a dedicated yoga studio, just didn't exist. And I was doing my yoga practice at the gym. <laughs> and, and when we're in Shavasana, the aerobics people are pounding on the door. <laughs> it's not quite the same experience. So part, partly it was just I just had this desire to have a, have a yoga studio that I could, that I could go to, that I wanted to go to. And then there's, I have a, there's a lot more big stories around it because I did have, it, it kind of became like a, a spiritual vision. I used to go to Brazil to this healing center in Brazil. And when I was there, I had a vision that I was supposed to open this studio and it was going to be a healing place. And I saw the whole thing in my mind's eye, even the, where I am, I'm in the studio right now. And there's a, bay window and I saw that bay window in my mind's mm -hmm. eye and then when I started looking around I found it so I feel like it's been just a it's been a guided um <laughs> guided experience that forces bigger than me wanted this studio to be here to do the spiritual work that we're doing and so I've just been following it yeah and how long has have you been operating we've been here for eight and a half years wow. so that's yeah. quite the period was, of time. Yeah. COVID was a big deal, obviously. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, we were shut down a lot of the time and most of the, well, like half the yoga studios in my county closed. So the fact that we even stayed open is pretty significant, but. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Um, well, the PPP loans from the government <laughs> helped for sure. And um, a lot of it was just the dedication for me and my teachers that we wanted to keep we wanted to keep being here. So we didn't give up, you know, we just, we were flexible and we worked, worked it out and just decided we're going to stay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and is there a kind of a before and after pre COVID post COVID sense in the yoga community for you, or at least in your studio? Um, it's been, I mean, it's still not the way it was like it used to be normal. I think Lots of people can maybe remember like when you would pack 40 people <laughs> into a room and everyone be on mat to mat. So that no one's going to feel comfortable doing that anymore. So it's definitely is shifted in that way. The shifted around like whether it's OK to touch like in our studio in the um, traditions we have, it's a lot of hands on it um, assisting, which I love. But, you know, we have we have to work with that now with COVID. So. Yeah. Although we're starting to do it more and it's, it's actually in some ways, I think it's a benefit because before it was always, how do you ask? Is it okay if, you know, touch or not touch? Now it's like everyone, it's fine. Like no one blinks an eye. If, if you ask, if you want to be touched and someone says no, like everyone just understands that. So in that way, it's kind of, kind of better, but mm -hmm. 
The other yeah. thing I see post COVID is just this deep, deep need for community. Like that people are so lonely and so like lacking in community. And so to be in a place where they can come is that's the most important, the most vital thing. I think mm-hmm. also why we're still here because people need it so much. Yeah. Yeah. What a great place to be in where you, you saw the need and there wasn't, it seems like at least where I am, you, well, this is pre COVID. I'm thinking you used to be able to throw a rock a hundred feet and hit, it was kind of like Starbucks one on every corner, right? The yeah. the market felt to me saturated with studios um, not that I thought that was a bad thing because I loved to go practice. I could find a class anywhere, anytime. And it was usually an amazing teacher that I wanted to be practicing with. So it, for me, it felt like a benefit. Um, but I could see, you know, if you were in um, a higher populated area thinking to yourself, mm, what if I opened a yoga studio and feeling like, well, is there space for me? Is there room for me? Will I be successful? Will I be profitable as a business? Could I even make this work? Is there a need for it even? Um, And I often also think about that because I'm leading a teacher training right now. Student, I remember asking this of my teacher when I was in teacher training about, you know, there's so many yoga teachers. Is the market already too saturated with yoga teachers themselves, let alone studios? And how would I even get my foot in the door anywhere? Um, so I'm wondering if you run across that kind of mindset, that kind of, it doesn't sound like it because your, your community sounds a little bit. Well, I'm definitely, but that mindset's prevalent and it is, and I'm familiar with it even as a, as a therapist, because the same in the Bay area where I am, that was same thing could be said for therapists, you know, like there's so many of them. And so for me, it's always been the idea of like, but there's so many people who need therapy and there's so many people who need yoga. So for me, I think of it as an abundance, um, that there's, yeah, uh, (laughs) there's a big need. And I find too, that when we're, when we can support each other, like whether it's with therapists or other yoga teachers, it's like, that we just lift each other up and you help. And it's even good marketing. When, when I had my private practice, I got most of my referrals from other therapists. And I know it's true for the yoga teachers here too. Like they, they might can do a private and then, well, they're not available at this time for this referral they got. So they give it to their friend. Like, so I think it's, there's abundance and there's enough (laughs) for everyone because what we're doing is so important and people need it. Yeah. That's how I always felt too. I just, I feel like there was an initial concern. And then I heard a lot of that kind of chatter among other teachers and other students. And yeah, I think it's common. I think it's a common concern people have, but I choose not to, not to believe it. Well, and it's it's a perspective shift. Yeah. Like you said, (laughs) you know, it's coming from a place of abundance and um, not coming from a place of scarcity or lack. Exactly. So yeah, there's 60,000 people in this town and I only need 200 yoga members to be successful, you know, so we could have a lot of yoga studios. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and it's nice to have a place that's not too crowded, you know, where, where it does feel like a community where it feels like it's small enough that you get to know who's practicing next to you and you really get to have an intimate relationship with your teacher if that's something that you're looking for. Exactly. Um, so there's that too. I, I'm curious, I want to be mindful of your time, but I would love to hear a little bit about 
what you're looking forward to this year and if there's anything exciting on the horizon for you and your community that you want to share. Absolutely. I have a few very exciting things that I'm looking forward to. Um, Next week, I'm starting this energy reset. It's something that came up in the during the pandemic. So I made it's kind of like a 21 day um, self care immersion where I made videos um, to help people with meditating and working with their energy. So kind of similar things of like, that we did a little bit showing people how to um, read their own energy and look at their own blocks and release things and see what energy's theirs and not there. So that's starting next week. It's called Energy Reset and it's a 21 day program. And we have live calls to help people integrate and um, to get readings from me. So that's super fun. And in April, I'm co-leading um, a retreat in Costa Rica with mm-hmm. one of my colleagues. So it's going to be um, also energy work, meditation and deep rest retreat in Costa Rica. So I'm super excited for that. What's the name of the retreat center you're going to? It's called it's in Tamarindo in Costa Rica. And it's mm-hmm. La Luna Boutique. It's a hotel place, but they do retreats there. And they have yeah, they have a massive labyrinth and uh, sound healing and all kinds of fun stuff. So I, I've never been to Costa Rica, but it keeps coming up. I just had a friend visit me last week who had just come back from a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. And he was just he was in love. He was like, we should go. You you guys would love it. Let's just go. My partner's like, I don't want to do yoga. And we were like, you don't have to do the yoga. It's optional. Just come with us and you'll enjoy it. <laughs> so. well, I think they have a lot of yoga surf retreats. So I don't know if you like surfing, but there's lots of stuff you can do. Yeah, there's so many things you can do. I mean, yeah. I, it seems like, um, retreat yoga retreat can be scary for the partner. That's like, I don't want to be forced to, to go and do yoga two times a day, every day. Another partner who's like, yeah, let's go do that. But I mean, in my experience, the yoga is optional. Of course it's encouraged, but you know, you could do whatever you want to do. And there's so many different activities. Okay. Sorry. I cut you off. Continue. (laughs) Anything else you wanted to share? Just Nope. I think that's it. Oh no. I do have a new YouTube channel that I, um, just started. Um, I like at, we have a tradition here at the studio. We pick a word for the year. So, um, to help guide your year and my word is service. And so out of that, it's been coming for me. So to do this YouTube channel with my friend who I'm, who we're co-leading the retreat with. And it's a lot of, it's a little vulnerable for me because I, to the main public, I don't put out so much stuff about light language and talking to the spirit guides, but I'm just going full force um, on the YouTube channel. So, um, because it seems really important and necessary. So we're doing healings and looking at kind of the collective and um, seeing what wants to come through. So that's that's cool. What is your YouTube channel called? Is it Suka? It's no, I have a Suka one, but this one is Sarafina and Hari Dashana. I can send you a link to it. Yeah, will you? Because I'll make sure that gets in the show notes too. That'll be great. To share it with people. Final question. Is there anything that um, I didn't ask you that you that you wish we could have talked about? Like any topic that you wish we would have touched on? Is there any topic? No, I think that we... We did. I was very excited to be able to do a reading with you. (laughs) Because it's sometimes hard to to talk about what I do, it's easier to just do it. So (laughs) I was glad that we could do that. 
I mean, selfishly, I love it. And hopefully <laughs> it's helpful. I, when I listen to other people who are having readings, like there's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jessica um, Lanyadu, Lan, Lanyadu, she does astrology readings okay. and I love listening to her do astrology readings. It's kind of like a dear Abby, someone will write in a question and she'll be like, well, based on your sign, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I always, even if it's like not my sign, it has nothing to do with me. I always find it so helpful. Something in there usually resonates. So I'm always game to do a reading. Plus it really helps me. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Uh, well, it's been such an honor and a pleasure, Bethany. Um, I'm guessing that the best way for people to connect with you would be through your website and or now the YouTube channel. Are there any other places you want to send people? I can do Instagram. Instagram. Instagram too, yeah. What's your Instagram? It's I have suka.yoga and I have spiritual.therapist. Okay, cool. Great. We'll give those a follow and make sure they get in the show notes too. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to speak with you today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure too. <laughs> and I'm excited for all the abundance that you're going to start bringing in. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to keep you posted on that. Yes. Be like, Bethany, <laughs> guess what happened? <laughs> yes, I just need to make some space and welcome it in, right? It feels, even as I say that, I'm like, it's, it feels a little scary. Yeah, um, it's, new. it's new and different, but yeah, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, yes, I can. Well, everyone, that concludes another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you learned something new, maybe remembered something old, maybe felt inspired to apply something to your life. My, <laughs> you can hear my dog in the background. She's doing a little happy dance. Um, so Daisy enjoyed it. Anyhow, I wanted to just pop in here to wrap us up to say a couple of things. Number one, I have such an amazing team that helps me put these podcasts together. Without them, I wouldn't you know, be able to bring these amazing conversations to you. So thank you to my producer, my director of creative services, my sound editor, my um, engineer, Consistency Media don't know what I would do without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the amazing creation and artistic musical genius Drew Lovern. Thank you so much for putting together this music for specifically for outside the studio. So unique to the show. Only place you're ever going to hear it is right here. Thanks you guys. You make my world go round. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, share on the socials, especially if it's a show that you think, hey, this could help somebody else. That's what this is all about, right? We're sharing information so that we're better, um, so that we're inspired, so that we're lifting each other up and we're learning how to be in this world, living on this planet to the best of our ability, sharing information and inspiring one another. And that's my hope. That's my hope for the show. Take care. <laughs>